Hello everyone, my name is Andrew Weber. I'm starting this podcast to share with you all some vital information. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is there such thing as a true Christian? How do I too become saved? All these questions and more will be answered as you follow along in this podcast. But I do want to encourage you not to just listen. My challenge for you is to pull out a pen and a piece of paper so that you can be taking notes and review these studies for yourself on your own time. Let us strive to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, for they were seen as more noble in God's eyes, because they didn't just listen to the preacher, but they also eagerly examined the scriptures every day to make sure that what they were being taught was true. Thank you and enjoy. First thing we always must do in our Bible study. Pray. pray. You gotta pray. Why do you gotta pray in a Bible study? We're gonna ask God for wisdom. Because we can't do this on our own. Amen. Converting someone's heart is gonna take a spiritual power. And you need to invite Jesus, God, and Holy Spirit to come along with you in the Bible study to help you convert this person's heart. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna start off our Bible study with a word of prayer. Let's start with a prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this time just to get in the Bible together. Uh, Father, we know that as we study the scriptures, you're going to speak directly to us, God, and it's really just a privilege uh, to to be able to have your word just in front of us to know exactly what you want us to do. Uh, Father, we pray that tonight as we read it, as we study it, that we can understand it, and that uh, the things that we learn tonight, God, will always stay with us. God, we thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, let's uh, open up to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Again, you make sure you want to make sure that you shoot the breeze with people. You don't just jump right into the scriptures and hammer them. That's never encouraging. But now it's time to get in the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 1. You know, I want you guys to pay attention to how to teach these studies. Verse 1. The Bible says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. You know, Pablo, what do you get out of that scripture? Now, most times when you ask that, you go, hmm, well, you you just got to, you got to walk with the Lord. Okay, that's great. What do you think the word blessed means? You see how you're engaging the person studying the Bible? You don't want to just talk to people. You want to ask questions and engage them. And she goes, well, I don't know. You know, my, my mom used to say bless you whenever I sneezed. And so I, I think it means something along the lines of good luck. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, most people, most people think that that's what the word blessed means. In actuality, in Hebrew, the word blessed means superlative happiness. What does that mean? Superlative happiness is a happiness that's not based on circumstances. 
But believe it or not, a lot of people feel momentary happiness when, when they win the lottery or when they get a new job or when they get a new girlfriend or boyfriend. But, but it's not superlative happiness unless it's despite the circumstances. A superlative happiness is you're happy no matter what's happening around you. And the Bible's saying that superlative happiness comes to those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord, and it comes to those who keep the statutes and seek him with all their hearts. What I always like to ask people is, hey, Pablo, why do you think you do the things that you do? Why do you go to school? Why do you go to work? He goes, ah, I don't know. I've been asking myself the same question. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people don't even ask that question, but why do you do the things that you do? You know what it always comes back to? Because I want to be happy. Yeah. Right? Why do you go to school? Well, I want to earn a degree. Why do you want a degree? Well, because I want a good job. Why do you want a good job? Because it makes more money. Why do I want more money? Because I can support my family. Why do you want to support your family? Because I think that'll make me happy. Ooh. It will always come back to, I want to be happy. You with me? Yeah. Now, here's the thing I ask secondly. How often does that actually work? Ooh. You see, everybody has a plan for happiness, but how often do their pursuits actually lead to happiness. I mean, look at, around at all the celebrities today. How many of them are actually happy? True. <laughs> yeah. I think Jim Carrey, you don't have to put this in there, but Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone were as rich and successful as I am so they can realize it's not the answer. Well, you see, a lot of people think that by pursuing these things, it's going to lead to happiness. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, forget all that stuff. If you just simply seek after God... The byproduct of seeking after God is happiness. Now, here's where sometimes we go wrong. We seek after God for happiness. You see, happiness is the byproduct, not the goal. Even as Christians, sometimes we can change that little, we can make that slight little change in our mentality, and we can start pursuing God to be happy. And not have happiness as the byproduct of seeking God because we really love God and want to seek after God. And you know what happens when you take that and you switch it around? Is you end up not being happy. Because once again, God's trying to steer you back to Him. The second thing, I, or the next thing I'd like to go over is, what do you think it means, Pablo, to seek after something with all your heart? Have you ever sought after something with all your heart before? Well, you know, I used to play football and... You know, my coach always told me, you know, leave it all on the field. And so I, I really worked hard in football. Okay, great. Well, what are some, some characteristics of seeking after things with all of your heart? Well, what are some characteristics? You guys can shoot them up. Yeah. Determination. Determination. Great. What are some characteristics? Relentless. Okay. Perseverance. Time. It takes time. Devotion. Anything else? Perseverance. Perseverance, right? Okay, you can, anybody can seek after something with all their heart for an instant. <laughs> what else? I think if anything gets in the way, then you throw it to the side. Okay, and it takes prioritization. Yeah, that's the word. Um, yeah, all these things are things that we know it means to do something wholeheartedly. Pablo, have you ever sought after God to this degree? Have you ever sought after God wholeheartedly. Like, it takes a really bold person to say yes. Because <laughs> even as disciples, we go, oh, that's challenging. Right? 
But you go, have you ever done this with all your heart? No, I, you know, I, I can't say that I have. I, I think that I've kind of given God about 50% of my heart, but I've never done it all the way. Okay, Pablo, this study is going to be all about learning how to seek after God with all of your heart. And that's what I'm going to challenge you to do, is I want you to do this with all your heart. Not, not half your heart, not 80%, all of it. Amen? Yep. Amen. Amen. Let's go to our next scripture. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Matthew 6. Verse 25. And so now we're going to have our young Christian, Mike, read for us. Let's have Mike read for us. Come on, Mike. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in buns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Awesome. Didn't Mike do an awesome Woo! Right there? Come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. Now, I do think it's important to note that if you're a Christian in a Bible study, you can't be checking out in the Bible study. You can't be falling asleep. You can't be disengaged. You can't be playing on your phone. You've got to be engaged. And when you read the scriptures, you got to read them like it fires you up. Come on, bro. Because the Word of God is always exciting. Amen? All right, so what do we get out of the scripture, Pablo? Well, you know, I know that the Bible's saying don't worry here, and it sounds like it's talking about some grass and some, some clothes. Yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. Sometimes people don't understand the scripture at all. And you're, no, no problem. But let's break it down. What do you see as the main thing that God is trying to get across right here? What is it? Not to worry. Yeah, don't worry. How, how much of an issue is worry in today's society? A lot. A lot. Oh, man. I mean, they've got pills and pills and pills for people who struggle with worry or anxiety. Right? Uh, and what are some of the things that people worry about? Money. Money. Fame. Fame. What else? Relations. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just pick something and you can worry about it. Like, I mean, just think about the fact that right now you're standing on a ball of dirt that's revolving around a space that's revolving around a planet filled with gas on fire. I mean, that's, that's the reality of our lives. If you really want to, you can worry about everything. Yeah. Right? And the Bible goes, hey, don't, don't worry. You don't have to worry. Why? Because God can take care of you. Do you believe that? Yep. You really believe that? Yeah. Yeah, God can take care of you. And it even goes on to say 
that, that if he takes care of the grass the field, how many of you guys have ever seen a worried blade of grass? <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. And somehow grass makes do. I mean, it just makes it happen. Well, what about birds? Have you ever seen a worried bird? I never really took the time. <laughs> <laughs> Even a chicken before it's about to get sacrificed, you know, on the altar of Thanksgiving or whatever. Uh, doesn't worry. <laughs> doesn't worry. Because God takes care of them. And if we're so much more valuable than grass or birds of the air, why would we worry and not believe that God can't take care of us? Oh, that's true. You with me? Yeah. But what most people don't get is that this is a conditional statement. Mm. Is God going to take care of everyone like this? No. What does it say? No. No. No, there's a condition attached. Yep. What's the condition? Seek first. There you go. Verse 33, right? It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so now we see that in the first scripture, the calling of the Bible is to seek God wholeheartedly. In this scripture, we see that the calling of the Bible is to seek God as a first priority. Have you ever, Pablo, sought after God as a first priority? You know, you can even talk through what are the priorities of your life. Uh, family first, school first, job first. What are the priorities of your life? Has God ever been your first priority? Mm-hmm. All right, great. Well, I want to challenge you to make God the first priority of your life. Now, don't don't wait to the end of the Bible study. This is something that people do. It's a mistake to start challenging somebody. Okay. Every scripture should challenge somebody. Okay. And so challenge them as you go through and then you pull it all home in the end with the overall theme of seeking God. Amen? Amen, bro. Amen. Any questions about that scripture there? Um, nope. Alright, let's go. Let's move on. Let's go to Acts 26. Or Acts 17, sorry. Acts 17, 26. Acts 17, verse 26. Everybody there? Yep. All right, now we're going to have Pablo read. And Pablo looks a lot like Rich. Come on, Pablo. 26 to 28. 26 to 28, correct. And hath made one of all blood of all nations of all men to dwell on the What version are you reading for? <laughs> King James. Okay. All right, this actually brings up another, another thing. Okay. When you're in a Bible study, uh, why, why do we read from the NIV? Believe it or not, the NIV translation is the best line-for-line translation there is. It's not the best word-for-word translation. Uh, to that, you probably have to give it up to the NASB uh, or even the ESV. But, but sometimes when you, you focus on a word-for-word translation, it gets really choppy. Yep. The King James is one of the worst translations of the Bible. <laughs> I realize that some of us grew up in churches that believe that Jesus spoke in 16th century English. But newsflash, Jesus didn't even speak English. <laughs> he spoke Greek and Aramaic and probably even Hebrew. But he did not speak Aramaic. Or he did not speak English at all. So the King James is not a good translation. The reason why is because it's, it's translated in the 16th century when they didn't have discovery of some of the manuscripts that we know have. So now that we have more manuscripts, it makes the Bible more accurate. Okay, we found them, we've discovered them, Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the 50s, etc. So just a little FYI. Uh, some people really insist on reading from the King James Version. Should you fight them on it? No. 
But just tell them, like, do you understand what you're reading? Because <laughs> I'll tell you, most people that read King James do not even understand what they're reading. Thou shalt be a ding dong dong. What is that? <laughs> it's it's a coded like format where you have to code every. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, but but as a church, try to go with a translation that's legible, that's understandable, uh, that you can feel like you you get. Okay. All right. Acts 17, verse 26 to 28. Let's let's have somebody that's kind of uh, NIV read it. Yeah. Um, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find them, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This is a little bit more challenging to break down. Pablo, what do you think? What do you think he's saying? You always want to let them try to take a stab at it and try to figure it out for themselves. Why? Because you're trying to help them to see that they can understand the Bible. You with me? Yeah. Because I don't know. It's just saying that God determines the time. And people will sometimes give you a whole breakdown of Adam and Eve. <laughs> it's sometimes funny when people come out of with the scriptures. But uh, essentially, what God is saying is that God has designated the times and places for people. Uh, Tim was born in Uganda. Who decided that Tim would be born in Uganda and not Australia or Canada or the USA or India? God. God did. What about this century? Why not back in the Stone Ages? Why not? Why not back in Jesus' time or the Middle Ages? Why did God? Why, who did? Who decided that Tim would be born in this generation? God. God did. And, and that's the same for each and every one of us, that God determines the times and places for us. And that's kind of a macro perspective, but what about on the micro level? What, what about with the little things that happen in our lives? Who dictates the times and places for those things? God. God does. So Pablo, who determined that you would meet Mike at the gym? Oh... All of a sudden, it hits. Oh my gosh! This is this is huge for people, because now they're they're not just seeing the Bible study as something that was coincidental, but that God has been working and orchestrating this in their life. And you know, when you you see that God is working in your life, it's so much more powerful. And then you go, well, why is God? Why did God set this up? What does the Bible say right here? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. Exactly. So God set this up ultimately because God wants you to seek after him and find him. Does that mean that you don't have a choice? No, you have a choice. That's why it says that they might perhaps reach out for him and find him. Right? So we all have a choice, but God sets it up. You know, I know for myself, um, I probably would not have responded if somebody randomly came up to me and said, hey, what's up, man? My name's Rich, and I want to invite you to a Bible talk. I don't want to invite you to a Bible study. I probably would have laughed, and I probably would have walked right past him. <laughs> that's not how God worked for me. Yeah. I needed to see my brother change first, yeah. and that's how God got my attention, because God determines the times and places, and he works in the way that you need him to work so that you can seek him, reach out for him, and find him. Is that awesome or not? Yeah. 
Yeah, your conversion story was completely orchestrated by God. That's pretty incredible to think. God set it up. Now you chose him, and that's why you found him. But God set that up. It's so important that you help the person studying the Bible really see that and believe that. Amen? Amen, bro. Amen. Let's go to John 4. Come on, bro. I'm explaining a little bit more than you normally explain because I'm also explaining to you the reasons why we say things. So things should move a little bit faster than we're moving right here. But but you see how we're just kind of moving through each scripture? Yep. It, it shouldn't take that long. You could probably knock out the Seeking God study in about 40, 45 minutes. Okay? Yeah. Uh, from the previous scripture, sorry to keep back, um, the part where it talks about the one man, which one man is it talking about? From one man, is it Jesus? Is it Adam? Was I've been at this uh, I'll let you decide. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you decide. It's probably a little debatable, but it's it's referring to Adam, I believe. So, all right, John chapter four, verse twenty-three. Okay, um, now it's my turn to read, and so I'm going to go ahead and read this one. It says, "Yet a time is coming, has now come, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God's spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the spirit and the truth." Now, this is a funny one because sometimes when you ask somebody who comes from like a Pentecostal background. They have a lot to say about the scripture. <laughs> but you just go, hey, Pablo, what do you think the scripture's talking about? Well, you know, I think that right here the spirit manifests itself in different gifts. And, you know, this is talking about speaking in tongues and all kinds of healings and working wonders. And, and when you're in the spirit, you really know the truth. And, like, you know, amen, wow. Okay, Pablo. Well, um, you know, I think that really all he's saying right here is that true worshiper does the right things with the right heart. That's really all he's saying. Spirit, the right heart, the right attitude, and truth, and doing the right things. So, for example, you, you remember when your mom asked you to do dishes growing up? <laughs> you can do the right thing with the wrong heart. Like, oh, gosh, going to do stupid dishes right now. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? It's yeah. still not glorifying to God. On the other hand, you can do the wrong thing with the right heart. You can have a great attitude, but sit on the couch and watch TV and not go do dishes. God wants the right heart, but also the right actions, spirit and truth. But, but what's significant about the scripture is this whole time we've been talking about seeking after God in this scripture, who's doing the seeking? God is. God is seeking. So now you get this concept that we start seeking God and then what does God do? He, he doesn't just stand back and play hard to get with us. <laughs> he seeks after us too. Now we're going to see in a little bit a story that pulls all these concepts together. But it's incredible to think that God as a father seeks after us when we start seeking after God. Is that awesome? Yeah. Yep. Alright, well let's go to Acts chapter 17 verse 10. Come on bro. Now the question comes, well, how do we seek after God? Do you just think about him really hard? Do you physically go out and try to find him? Look him up in the GPS? Or in the phone book? Or on the internet? Google? God? God search Google? Well, how do we do it? Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And why don't we have a, a, a mic 
uh, Anthony, read verse 10 through 12. Come on, Mike. And the brethren. <laughs> as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and, and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Awesome, awesome. This is really cool scripture. Yeah. What What do you get out of this, Pablo? Well, you know, I see right here that uh, looks like this guy Paul and Silas are traveling around and. Yeah, I guess these guys are really excited about what they're reading. You know, yeah, this is this is huge. Paul and Silas are going from city to city, and as they get right here to Berea, they notice that there's a difference response or a different response in the people to their message. They, they don't just hear it, but they go back and they check what Paul was saying to make sure that it was true. And Paul goes, "Man, these guys have a noble character." Would you say, Paulo, that these guys were seeking after God? He goes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. They were seeking after every single day. They were seeking after truth every single day. You know, one of the things that I, I think for myself growing up is um, I always felt like it was wrong to be skeptical. That it was wrong to be skeptical when people talked about God in the Bible. But you can see right here that skepticism to some degree is encouraged. Not a skepticism of the Bible, but a skepticism of people teaching the Bible. Oh, okay. That the Bible is saying that we should examine eagerly every day to make sure what we hear is true and from God. Because people can twist things. Even even how we're doing this Bible study right now, we're jumping around. And so, Pablo, what I want to encourage you to do is, is we've got Mike right here who's taking notes. I want you to go back after we're done with our study here and study out everything I'm showing you to make sure that it's true and that it's from God. Does that sound good? Oh, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Awesome. Great. Really what it comes down to is the Berean judge. Eagerly examining the word every day. Pablo, have you ever read the Bible every day? You know, I, I yeah, you know, I have a, an app on my phone that shoots me in scripture once a day. No, no, no. I mean, have you ever eagerly examined every day? You see, you can examine without being eager, and you can be eager without really examining. And you can do both those things, but not every day. I mean, eagerly examining every day. Now, I've never done that. Okay, that's the challenge I'm going to have for you. I want to challenge you to seek after God by eagerly examining the Bible every day. And what is the Bible going to call you when you do that? A true worshiper. Noble. Have you ever thought of yourself as a noble character before? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe my grandma would say that, right? Okay, well, maybe someone's grandma won't say that. But, but, but most people would not consider themselves to be noble characters. The cool thing is that when you become a Berean and eagerly examine the Bible every day, the, the Bible is saying that that is a noble character to have. Is that awesome right there? And so you can have noble character in the eyes of God. And so that's the challenge for our Bible study. We're not finished yet, but that is our challenge, ultimately. Amen? Any, any questions there?
Okay, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. Yep. So some people, like I noticed that uh, some disciples like to read the context, like say the context before the scripture. Is that needed? No, it's it's a waste of time. It just it just adds time to the study. Uh, I think that you want to keep things very snappy and concise. Uh, they they should go back and study them. Now, if they have questions, then obviously you try to answer people's questions. Uh, or if they're 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 reading for themselves and they want to read before or after, that's obviously fine. Uh, but like I said, you don't want to you don't want to make the Bible studies longer just for the sake of making them longer. You, you want to keep things pretty fast, um, and then again, you know, answer questions or whatnot. But but for the most part, keep it pretty snappy. Okay. Yeah. I have a question because some people would always ask like, where do I start? Like, where in the Bible should I start? Or great question. I think when it comes to reading the Bible, a lot of people start reading in Genesis. They get through Genesis, Exodus, and then they, they hit Leviticus. <laughs> and Leviticus smacks them like a brick wall, and they, there's no moving past Leviticus. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't usually recommend for people to start that way. Uh, some people insist on it, no problem. Uh, some people are already pretty comfortable reading the Bible, and they just pick whatever they want, that's fine too. I usually suggest those that are not as comfortable with the Bible to start off with a book like Mark. 16 chapters, 2 chapters a day, 8 days, you read through the whole cha- the whole book. Would John also be preferable or no? John's a great book too. I-, I think the Gospels are preferable. Mark is the first Gospel written. Yeah. And it's the simplest and most straight to the point Gospel. Yeah. And so I recommend that typically for people that aren't as, as versed in the Bible. Okay. Uh, that's a great place to start. Great question. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. All right, now we've got Pablo. Pablo's going to read for us. Let's have Jojo be Pablo here. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you and when you find oh wait. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. So what do you what do you get from this Bible? This is awesome. The Bible says that God has a plan. Exactly. The Bible says that God has a plan for every person. Uh, so in other words, it's not like God wakes up in the morning, man, this guy branded. I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy. No, God has a plan for every single person. Well, what type of plan is it? A successful 100% guaranteed plan. <laughs> yeah. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I oftentimes like to ask people who are in school, like, what are the what are the, some things you are doing right now to prepare for your future? Oh, I'm going to school, I'm saving money, um, working hard, you know, all those different things. How do you know for sure that your future is going to end up the way you want it to end up? Oh, oh whoa. Oof. How do you know for sure? You, you don't. Like, we, we do all these things, we put so much effort into preparing for our future, where God already has a future for us. And it's a lot better than the future we plan for ourselves. It's a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. But here's what people miss. Is this for everyone or is it conditional? Mm. 
conditional. It's conditional. conditional. What's the condition that God puts on this? Seek Him and find Him yeah. with all your heart. Amen. There it is. You, you got to seek God and find Him when you seek Him with all your heart. So once again, the calling of Scripture is to seek after God, and the byproduct of that is not only superlative happiness, but God has a great plan in store for your life. Mm-hmm. What this also says, though, is that when we fail to seek after God, do we get access to God's plan for our life? Nope. No, we miss out on that plan. There's no assurance of our future. And so the challenge is to seek after God with all of our hearts. Amen? All right, well, let's look at a story that has all of these different principles put together. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Come on, bro. Come on, Acts. And I think this is, this is where it really comes together. In the, in the Bible. When people see it come together, you can break the scripture down. It, it really helps people to visualize the study, uh, not just principle by principle, but also in, in really living form. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. You guys ready? Yep. Okay. We're going to read the story in two sections. Hey. Let me know when you guys are all there. I'm there. I'm here. Uh, I didn't hear any sisters yet. Speedy brothers. Okay. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. He heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. You understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So I invited Philip to come up and sit with him. We'll stop right there for a second. Let's break this down. First off, you got this guy who's an Ethiopian eunuch. What's, what's his job? A treasurer. treasurer. Okay, he's not a treasurer. Sorry. He's in charge of the treasury. So this isn't just the, an employee at the treasury department. This is the CEO of the treasury department. This is the guy who's in charge. Do you think this guy's loaded or not? He is. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't know what kind of charity he's rolling with, but he probably had some nice rims on it, uh, a good sound system in that charity. It's, it's the, the Rolls Royce of chariots. I mean, this is a cranking guy. He's got all this stuff working for him, but you get a sense in this scripture that something's missing. Why? Because he goes all the way from uh, Ethiopia, where he's at, to Jerusalem to worship. So where's Ethiopia on the map? Africa. It's East Africa. Where's Jerusalem? It's up here in the Middle East. Yeah. You know how far that is to drive a chariot? Sure. I mean, we're talking about four to six weeks driving a chariot. This is a long drive. And it's not like there were hotels on the way for him to stay at or Airbnbs. <laughs> Does this look like a guy who's seeking after God? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't make that journey unless you're really seeking after God. And, and we know because what does he go to the temple to do? Worship. To worship. What, what is God looking for? True worshipers. So he goes to the temple to worship, and then now he's on his way back from the temple. And so what does the Bible find him doing? What is he doing on his way back? 
Reading, reading the book of Isaiah. So what is he doing after he heard the, the message from the temple? Um, Checking, the, having the heart of a Berean. He's being a Berean. Yeah. You see it? He's not satisfied with life. He goes all the way up to the temple to worship God. He's seeking after God with all his heart. It's a priority for him. Now he's even being a Berean and reading the scriptures for himself. And so when you're a true worshiper seeking after God, what's God going to do? Give you his plan. He's going to seek after him. And so what do we see right here? Well, in verse 26, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south of the road. So God sends an angel. In verse 29, it says, The Spirit told Philip. So now God sends his spirit. And then finally in verse 30, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot. So finally God sends his disciple. God sends an angel. God sends his spirit. And God sends a disciple after this guy. Now, from the standpoint of the Ethiopian eunuch, would, would this have seemed like a coincidence to be reading the Bible and all of a sudden this guy comes up to explain it to me? Nope. From the Ethiopian standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, that would have, been oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it would have seemed like a coincidence. But in reading the scripture, was it a coincidence? No. 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 This was orchestrated by God. So you see how God is orchestrating the times and places? And so, likewise, in this Bible study, Pablo, is this a coincidence or is this orchestrated by God? It's orchestrated by God. Is that cool? Yeah. Now, I always like to point out the fact that Philip, at this point, was really just a poor disciple. Uh, This would have been comparable to a guy driving down Toronto in like a Lamborghini and a homeless guy walking up to the window and tapping on the window like, Hey, what you doing in there? (laughs) You you want me to come in and show you what that means? (laughs) How many rich dudes driving a Lambo would let that homeless guy in and explain the scriptures to him? Not very many. But it shows, one, how much he was seeking the truth, but two, his humility. So, Pablo, I really want to challenge you to be humble and to have his heart. You know, in this story, you get to be the Ethiopian eunuch, the rich guy. I get to be the broke, poor disciple, Philip. (laughs) And I want to encourage you to have the humility of the Ethiopian eunuch and to allow me to teach you the scriptures. I always say that because you'll, you'll, you'll be surprised at how prideful people can be when it comes to the scriptures. Even though you clearly know the scriptures more than them, they fight you. Okay, So you have to challenge them to be humble and to accept your teaching of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep in slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In this humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled on the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Is that awesome or not? Very awesome. And so here he is, he's driving in his chariot, and he sees, as they're teaching and reading the Word of God, a body of water. Now, what kind of water would be next to a dirty, dusty desert road? 
most unclean water. It's probably some nasty water. Definitely not Canadian, beautiful, pristine, clear glacier water. Fiji water. <laughs> and yet, did that seem to matter to the eunuch? No, sir. No. He was just ready to go all in. Which might explain why he couldn't see Philip when he came up out of the water. But despite Philip disappearing, what does the Bible say the Ethiopian did? Rejoice. Not as very rejoicing. Superlative happiness. Not because of circumstances, but despite circumstances. Why was he happy? Because he found a relationship with God. And that always happens when you seek God with all your heart. Let's go to one last scripture, Matthew chapter 7. While Brandon is still playing with his pencil like he did in third grade. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. It's good to see that you still have your child on card. That's what gets me through the word. <laughs> Matthew 7, verse 7. We're going to close here. And I want to have Isabella uh, read verse 7. Again. <laughs> Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Awesome. Pablo, what do you get out of this? Because, well, it seems pretty clear that if you seek, you're going to find. Yeah, does it sound like there's any question in there? No. Any uncertainty? No. No, this is a guarantee from God. And I always, I always like to share a little analogy. Now, imagine, imagine I was a stockbroker. And uh, I, I came to you and I said, dude, Pablo, I, I got this stock right now yeah. that is incredible, for sure, guaranteed. It will pay out 10 times what you put in it. Yeah. 10 times. In fact, I'm so sure about this that I'll even stake my own money against it. So if you don't make back 10 times what you put in, I'll, I'll give you 10 times. So for sure, no matter, no matter what, it's a guarantee you're going to get 10 times back what you put in. If you had $10,000, how much would you put in? Ten thousand bucks. It's guaranteed. If it's really guaranteed, you're gonna put ten thousand back. Why? Because ten times ten is a lot better than one times ten. You with me? You wouldn't hesitate to put everything in because it's a guarantee. When it comes to God, if it's guaranteed, how much of your heart are you gonna put it? Oh, the whole thing. Because if you only put part of your heart in, you're not going to get anything out. But you put your whole heart into it, you seek God with all your heart, then you're guaranteed going to find God. And therefore, all these things that come along with that are true. Amen? What's the challenge? To seek after God with all your heart. Pablo, I want to challenge you, number one, to start reading your Bible every day. Number two, I want to challenge you to go back to these scriptures and really make sure that this is true and from God. And number three is I want to challenge you to prioritize these Bible studies. Prayerfully at this point, the ball is now in Pablo's court and he's the one that's going after the Bible studies, not you. 
but, but you want people to start pursuing it on their own. Now, our next Bible study is going to be the Word of God. And there's a little moment in the Word of God study that you want to follow up with the challenge. But for now, we're going to challenge Pablo, and we're going to believe that he's going to do it. Amen? And that, that essentially is a seeking God study. Now, there's two things you want to close out a Bible study with. What, what's the first thing? Prayer. Prayer. You always want to close out the Bible study with a prayer. And I always like to try to get the person to study the Bible to pray. Once again, it helps them to believe that they can pray and have a relationship with God. Amen. But what's the other thing you want to close out the studies with? Set up another study. You set up another study. Wow. Don't, don't walk away from the Bible study without setting up another time. Yeah. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. When they're already feeling convicted from the scriptures and they're already seeing the truth. People, people come out of church Monday morning they forget what you talked about on Sunday. People leave Bible studies the next day they totally forget what you, you talked about. So yeah. set up a time in the moment to prevent that from happening yeah. and then and then really call them to meet back up with you and then you go on with your Wow. I sure do hope you all enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Be sure to keep it locked in right here at the Diligent Encourager podcast so that you can stay up to date with any new material being released. Full credit for today's recording goes to Evan Bartholomew, lead evangelist of the Toronto International Christian Church and preacher. Thank you for sharing with us your deep convictions and faith. Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, please do feel free to send me voice messages. The unique link in which you can send them to is https colon forward slash forward slash anchor period fm forward slash Andrew J. Weber, that's W-E-B-E-R, one, two, forward slash messages. Thank you.